Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland and this is The Leader. How are you doing? First thing this morning, Boris Johnson was in a vaccine centre in West Yorkshire, seeing for himself how the programme is being rolled out. It's pretty successful, with the government saying it's on course to hit its target of 15 million people injected by mid-February. But there is the spectre of new mutations emerging in the UK, and the Prime Minister says the current jabs can handle them. We're confident that uh, all the vaccines that we're using uh, provide a high degree of immunity and uh, and protection against uh, all variants. And uh, the interesting and exciting thing about UK vaccinology at the moment, the vaccines that we're developing, is increasingly uh, they are capable of being adapted to, to deal with new variants as they arise. A few hours after that interview, it was confirmed the South African variant had been detected in Surrey. Then it was revealed more than 100 cases had been found in the UK, including in London. Surge testing is underway in eight postcodes, with everyone over 16 living in those places being encouraged to take one, whether or not they're showing symptoms. Our political editor Joe Murphy's here. Joe, this is coming at a time when London appears to be beating back coronavirus. London is doing brilliantly, but... There is new news on the South African variant, as well as the alert in Woking, there's now been uh, an alert over a case in Ealing. And people who live in Ealing and work in Hanwell and West Ealing are being asked to get tested in case they are asymptomatic carriers of this new variant, which, of course, spreads more potently. And this just shows how on a knife edge the battle against coronavirus really is because as we've been reporting in the newspaper and online london is doing well against this virus case numbers are coming down it just seems like every time we zig the infection zags the horrible phrase but very memorable that nadim zahawi used a few weeks ago was we're in a race against death and of course the muta- every every mutation does delay the day when we can say we're really on top of this. But just to put on a good news note, the figures for London are really encouraging at the moment. I think we can say safely now that deaths are coming down in London. Uh, The number of cases has come down by two-thirds over January, and we're seeing fewer people going into hospital. But there is a sting in the tail. 
the pressure in intensive care units which are struggling to keep people alive is just as high as ever, including the number of people on mechanical ventilators to stay alive. So the message from all of our health chiefs and politicians is don't relax your guard yet and follow the rules. And meanwhile, the vaccination programme is doing really well. The UK government's just signed up for more doses. It looks like we're going to be able to stockpile some jabs for next year. How have we got into this position? Well, we've done really well, and it's not often over the last year or two that you could actually say that Britain is smelling of roses, especially in the European field. Um, But here we are. We've just increased our vaccine orders to 407 million doses, which which could dose up everybody in the UK five times over. While the EU, of course, is really struggling to get its initial yields going, the big milestone today was ordering another 40 million Valneva vaccines, which are going to be made in Scotland by a French company. And uh, that means that we are now got stocks that will last into next year. So I think we're the first country in the world to announce that it's actually laying in the pipeline for vaccines for next year having done pretty well with the current year so far. And as you've noted in your piece today, Joe, Britain's ordered 100 million doses of Valneva, but the European Union hasn't ordered any yet. Interestingly, there was a big uh, uh, breakthrough for Europe last night when, after a phone call with Boris Johnson, Ursula von der Leyen um, announced that 9 million AstraZeneca doses made in the UK are going to be shipped to the EU. It's still quite cloudy to know how many of those doses are going to go to the EU and would they be at the expense of doses that are currently aimed at the British market. Um, Apparently, the contract that the UK government has says that it takes priorities over any subsequent orders. But, of course, the EU believes its contract gives itself priority over other orders. So maybe there's been a bit of an unofficial agreement to try and get over that stalemate and just maintain good relations across Europe. And you can keep up to date with the Evening Standards live blog, which has all the breaking news, commentary and analysis on this story. You'll find that at standard.co.uk. And have a look around on the site, because you'll also find an interview with the Met's Deputy Commissioner, who says officers will continue to carry out disproportionate stop and searches of young black Londoners to save lives. So Stephen House says officers are paid to use their brains and need to focus where the problem lies. He was speaking to our Home Affairs editor, Martin Bentham, who's with me now. Martin, stop and search has been pretty controversial for a while, but Sir Stephen's unapologetic. What he says is that there's a difference between disproportionality and bias. He said that the Met, of course, must guard against bias and do everything it can to make sure that there's no subconscious factors influencing officers' decisions and that there are various things that they can do always to try to make sure that stop and search is done in the, in the, the best way possible. So he accepts that it's not a, a pleasant experience for people. Uh, but what he does say is on the disproportionality issue that, unfortunately, it will be disproportionate because more of the perpetrators and more of the victims are from a black minority, a disproportionate number are from that background, and that it would be a nonsense to be going around stopping and searching, for example, in his words, lots of 80-year-olds, and they don't stop and search lots of women because they're not involved in violent crime. So there are, there are other aspects of 
uh, disproportionality where people are, are the beneficiaries of that. But that's because they're obviously not likely to be committing uh, violent crime. So that's in essence his point. He does seem to be suggesting that the, the row on social media is bigger than the row on the streets. But as you've noted in, in your piece in the paper today, Martin, 4,917 complaints have been made to the Met about the use of, of stop and search since 2014. No, there are there are plenty of complaints. I suppose the the, the police would say, for a start off, they've been doing more stop and search than the number of complaints. And of course, to an extent, one complaint and, and a few high profile incidents can tend to to generate more. So it may be that actually what has happened is just a surfacing of latent complaints that were always there and people didn't bother before and now they're coming forward and complaining more which is obviously always a in essence a, a good thing but on the other hand what is also the case and and Stephen House acknowledges this in fact that they don't always get it right so he doesn't he doesn't think everything is perfect and he accepts that things will go wrong sometimes and do go wrong sometimes I think all he's saying is that the the, the broad figures are ones in which well first of all that that's that the the nature of who's being stopped and searched will be determined by who's carrying out the crimes in the first place. And then secondly, I think his other point was that the mayor conducts a survey, which he points out that in there, there is a gap between white satisfaction with people who are the recipients on the receiving ends of stop and search. Uh, white people have about an 80%, 75 to 80% uh, satisfaction rating. In essence, say the police were polite and treated them with respect. Black people about two-thirds so it's a lower proportion but his point is that actually that's still two-thirds so there's quite a lot of people who feel they were dealt with in an appropriate way and that those who feel otherwise are not 100 percent not uniform which is what he thinks that sometimes the impression comes from social media and a few high-profile incidents that that's how it is for everybody everybody gets a bad experience everybody thinks that they've been dealt with in a bad way and he he argues that that isn't the case and the mayor's public attitude surveys uh, show that in reality. Stop and search, Martin, is a perennial controversy. Does Stephen House think that it works? Very much so. The police definitely think it works. He points out that they're taking about 300 knives uh, a month off the streets. Clearly, all the times that he does find a knife, is potentially a life-claiming weapon removed from the street. So from that point of view, the police are very, very clear and they really believe that it does have a both a, an effect in that way and also an effect in deterring people from carrying knives. On the other hand, of course, some people will turn around and say, well, we've had all this stop and search and yet, unfortunately, we're still getting large numbers of, relatively large numbers of homicides on the street involving knives. And that's the leader. Join us again tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.